listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. Luke 23, verse 26-49. And as they led him away, they seized one, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country. And laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of the people and women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming. When they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that have never bore and the breasts that have never nursed, then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? And two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called, called the skull, They crucified him there. And the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. They cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God his chosen one. Soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hanged, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this was an innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance, watching these things. Father, we come to you uh, awestruck 
again by 2,000 years after this event happened, Father, as we consider a life that was laid down willingly, that endured all of your wrath for sinners. And Father, we just we say thank you. God, I, I do ask that you'd help us as we just as we look at your text. God, we pray that your word would help us to know you more deeply and to understand our lives and our plight and our struggles and to live lives that please you. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So in, in the last hours of Jesus' life, he makes some pretty shocking statements that have significant relevance to our lives today. He says things that ought to stop us right in our tracks. But just like familiarity leads us to overlook a sunset or a starry night sky, familiarity with the gospel story leads us to miss the story that is right in front of our eyes. We pick up this story that we're reading today immediately after Jesus has been convicted by a kangaroo court that has condemned him for uttering blasphemy and for other trumped-up charges. And Jesus is trudging up this hill to Calvary, beaten and abused to a place where he's going to be crucified. And a throng of people are following closely behind him, weeping and wailing over this impending crucifixion. And Luke specifically mentions the women here in this brief encounter. And he includes this brief encounter in his gospel narrative. These women have played a significant role in the life of Jesus. And Jesus turns from his death march and he faces these women. And he says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Strange, that's a strange thing to say. But weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will they do when it is dry? These women are weeping. And yet, Jesus turns to them and he corrects them. He isn't harsh. He, he isn't rebuking. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say that their weeping is in, inappropriate or that they've got it all wrong. He's not communicating to them that what they're doing is in any way out of step with the situation. What Jesus is doing is he's adjusting their perspective. Let me explain. These women are crying and weeping and lamenting, wailing over loss, over the injustice, over the death sentence, the wrongful death sentence that this man has received. That's what they're weeping and wailing over. The man that they thought would deliver the nation of Israel from Roman rule, they're weeping for him. But their hopes have just been dashed they're caught up in the moment and they're focused on the present, on the here and the now. And you can understand why. They are grieving the loss 
of a teacher and a friend. And we can identify with these women as human beings. This is the way human beings operate. We live in and for the present moment. We do this in both good and bad ways. We discipline our kids when they need it. When my kid hits your kid for taking his toy, they need disciplined now and not next week. Right? We live in the present. We have people over for dinner. We want to know them. Right? And we want to be known by them in, in the present, the people that we're presently connected to. These are good things. Those are, those are good things. Don't mishear me. Those are good things. But we also live for the moment in bad ways as well. We want instant gratification. We want our best life now. We want to spend our money on our experiences. We're focused. In both cases, we're focused as human beings on the present, on the here and the now, just like these women. We are just like them. And this is what Jesus is addressing. Being focused on the present is like having to go pee really badly. For a moment, everything else fades into the background. All you can do is think about what you've got to get done. You're focused on the one task at hand, relieving your bladder, right? That's, that's what it's like living in the present. Or it's like reading a really good book. One of those books that is so absorbing that you just can't put it down. Everything else in your life becomes a haze. Maybe you have a child that does this. We have a couple. All they can do is think about getting back to that book. Everything else suffers. The book consumes them. Or you. And they won't, the book won't let you go until you've finished the last page. You forget about all the other responsibilities in your life. You're on autopilot. And, and this is really the, describing the human experience. We live for the present. We're so focused on the present that we are often blind and unaware of the future, of what is to come. And Jesus here wants to shock these women back into reality, out of their reverie or out of their sorrow. He says, stop. Stop weeping for me. Stop weeping for me. Your life is in peril. Weep for yourselves because judgment is coming. That's what Jesus wants to communicate to these women. Judgment is, is coming. And he quotes from a proverb of their day, and it's a little bit complicated. He says, For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it's dry? And what Jesus means is that he is the green wood. With his coming is coming a season of blessing, God's blessing for the nation of Israel. And the dry wood represents judgment. God is going to judge Israel for their rejection of this Messiah. Jesus is not rebuking the woman for weeping. Jesus is saying to them that there is something that is way more important for them to consider. There is something that is way more 
important for them to consider than Jesus' death and, and impending crucifixion. There is something else that they must keep in mind, that the grief that they are experiencing right now does not compare with the wrath that is about to come. Jesus is ready to go to his death, and he is concerned about the future of these women. Wrath so bad that people would rather choose death. People will call out for the mountains to fall on them than have to face the coming judgment of God. And this morning, we're here to consider, this afternoon, we're here to consider the events that happened on a hillside 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. And Jesus' words are just as pertinent today as they were then. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. But the cross, the events that we're looking at today, the cross makes sense out of what Jesus said to these women. The cross declares that God's judgment has been satisfied. You see, at the cross, God poured out all of His wrath for His people on His Son. That sounds unjust, doesn't it? But that is exactly the point. Jesus endured His wrath, His Father's wrath, to pay for the sins of His people. He received our punishment, and he suffered injustice so that we wouldn't have to receive justice for our sins. You see, justice demands that we pay for the wrongs that we've committed. And Jesus has stood in our place. He has paid the debt the penalty has been removed, and in doing so, Jesus has averted God's wrath for sinners. Judgment is coming, and the question is, are you living for the present? Are you aiming to have your best life now? Or are you trusting in Jesus to bear God's wrath for your sin? That's, that's what the cross pushing us to ask ourselves. You may have noticed as well that there are all sorts of people present at Jesus' death. And this is uh, particularly evident in Luke 24 or 23, verse 34, when Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And so there's, I, think, I can think of a lot of questions that I want answered when I read that statement, and we only have, a, have time to look at a couple of them, but the first thing that I want to know is, who is Jesus talking about when he, when he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do? Who are they? Who are these, these ignorant ones that don't know what they're doing? Who are these, these people that Jesus is referring to? And I think we get some clues from the context. We read that these people, they have done something that needs forgiving. And who are we talking about? We're talking about the Jewish leaders that are present. And what have the Jewish leaders done? Well, they've just 
condemned an innocent man to death. We also know that even though Pilate and Herod, they might not physically be present at Jesus' crucifixion, their soldiers are present, and they're there under the authority of Herod and Pilate. And so Herod and Pilate are responsible for the crucifixion of an innocent man. We also notice that the soldiers are present. They've crucified Christ, and they're about to gamble for his clothing. There's two guilty criminals in verse 41, and there's a crowd that has gathered to take in this spectacle in verse 48. These are the people that are there. These are the the people that Jesus is asking God to forgive because they don't know what they're doing. And all of these people that are present here, all of them are guilty of condemning an innocent man to death. Some more than others, but they are all there participating. But this is what I find most remarkable and shocking. It's when Jesus says that they don't know what they're doing. It's it's because they're ignorant. It's because they don't know what they're doing that Jesus is pleading for forgiveness. But what what does Jesus mean? why, Why are they not... Why is he pleading for forgiveness for them when they are guilty of convicting a man of sin? And then why does he say they're ignorant? Let me, let me tell you what's going on here. Jesus um, is talking about the people who are present at his death, all of these people, and all of these people had a hand in condemning an innocent man to death. Clearly they are guilty and they know it. So what are they ignorant of? What does Jesus mean? They are ignorant of Jesus' true identity. They don't know, or more accurately, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And, And this is absolutely amazing, and it's beautiful. You see, if they had condemned the Son of God to death. That is to say, if they had believed that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was God's Son, and if they had killed Jesus knowing that he was God's Son, that would have been unpardonable. Look at what Jesus says to the Pharisees in Luke 22, verse 70. The Pharisees ask Jesus, are you the Son of God? And Jesus says to them, you say that I am. And Jesus is being purposefully cryptic here. He's hard to understand because he knows, Jesus knows that they do not really believe that he's the Messiah. They're just looking for a reason to get rid of him. They are ignorant. And the amazing part here is that Jesus is not angry at them. He is not outraged. He could call 10,000 legions of angels to come and kill all of these people and take him from the cross. 
And instead, he asks his father to show mercy on guilty men and women. And the most amazing part in all of this is also the most beautiful. This here, what we are seeing right here, is the heart of our Savior. He doesn't hold our guilt against us. You and I are guilty before a holy God. And Jesus doesn't hold our guilt against us. But he pleads with his Father to show mercy. But but there's a catch. Look at the statement that Jesus makes in uh, chapter 23, verses 42 to 43. Uh, One of the criminals says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The catch is that we can't stay in our ignorance. We must repent. Observe what happens to one of the criminals here. One of the criminals who was hanged, hanged, railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. You notice that the, the criminal recognizes here that he is guilty. And he admits that he deserves what he's getting at, or what he's getting. But when he looks at Jesus, he sees in Jesus the embodiment of all that is beautiful. He sees a king who is merciful. And he sees a savior who is dying to make him righteous, to pay the debt for his transgressions, and to wipe his slate clean. That, that's, that's for us today as well. We are guilty before a holy God. And yet, there, there's a time in all of our lives when we are ignorant of who Jesus Christ is. But you are here this morning or this afternoon, keep forgetting it's this afternoon, you're here this afternoon listening to this word. You are being confronted with the gospel, with what Jesus Christ has done. And you have a responsibility today to make sure that you are right with this holy God. Judgment is coming. Jesus warns the women that judgment is coming. They need to look to themselves. And that warning comes to us as well. You will do one of two things at the end of the day. Either you will call out for the mountains to fall on you, or you will look to a Savior who died for you. And I want to say to you, look to Him. Look to Jesus. Put your trust in Him. Believe that He is the Son of God who came to rescue His people from the judgment and wrath of God and hide yourself in Jesus. Hide yourself 
in the cross. Hide yourself in a place where there is no danger from God's wrath. That's the message of Easter. That's what, that's what this service today is about. Jesus died on a cross in order to appease God's wrath. Sunday is coming, and the message of Sunday is that Jesus didn't stay dead. Jesus lived a righteous life, and God gave him the authority to take his life back up. Death could not hold him. But today is a day that we need to know that God hates sin and that's why our Savior had to die and hang on a cross for your sin and my sin. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the gospel. We, God, we thank you that we don't just meet here to hear, uh, to sing songs together and hear a nice word preached. Father, we meet here because this Today represents the day when the, the focal point of history, when your wrath against sin was appeased. It, it represents the day when in the fullness of time you sent forth your son, born of a virgin, born to, to reconcile men to God, born to satisfy your wrath against sin. Father, we thank you for your son. We want to praise you for everything that he has done, and for the fact that we can be right with you. Father, I just I pray that you would help us to live uh, in light of these truths. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.